0: Well, today we are in the final part of our series, Five Things God Uses to Grow Our Faith. Because as we've said throughout this series, God wants you and God wants me, God wants all of us to have a big faith in him that God is most honored when we live with him, a living, active, bold, big, audacious, abiding faith in him. That when we live with that type of faith, it's most honoring to him. That our relationship with him is strongest. That God cares about our relationship with him more than he cares about anything else. So He wants to grow our relational trust in him. He wants us to have a big faith, a big trust in him. And so we've been talking about how God grows our faith and how God grows our trust because relationships grow differently than a lot of us assume that we grow in our Christian faith. And so we've been talking about these things that God uses continuously over time to grow our faith. We've been talking about practical teaching. We've been talking about personal ministry. We've been talking about private disciplines. We've been talking about providential relationships. And last week, we talked about the pivotal circumstances of life, that these things are all tools that God uses in His toolbox to grow and shape our faith and our trust and our belief in Him, and so today you might be thinking, well okay we've we've talked about the five things we've talked about all five of those things, and we even had an introduction at the beginning of this series, like we've already had six weeks about the five things that God uses to grow our faith. So what are we possibly going to talk about? Today, if you're asking that, that's, that's a good question. That's a good question. I wanted us to finish this series off today by talking about one more reason that I think growing our faith is so important for us and why I think it's so important to God for us to have a growing faith for us to have a growing faith. If you have been a Jesus follower for any for any amount of time, or if you ever were, but maybe you don't really consider yourself much of a Jesus follower now. First of all, I'm so glad that you're watching. If that's you, I'm so glad you're watching right now. Um, or maybe you stopped believing at some point and you're kind of finding your way back to faith and kind of finding your way back in, in, into church for the first time in a long time. What you know and what God knows is that there are plenty of moments in life that present opportunities to turn away from being a Christian or living for God or believing or whatever language you would want to put around it. The way that I'll say it for today is simply this. Life has no shortage of exit ramps on the path following Jesus. Life has no shortage of exit ramps on the path following Jesus. Jesus. Let's, let's, let's talk about these, because because for some, it's, it's those pivotal moments that we talked about last week. I mean, last week, we said that for some people, it makes our faith, but let's be honest. For some people, it also breaks our faith, and it shakes our faith. And while we talked last week about how, for some, the pandemic has been a, a time where faith grew and grew and grew, and we've come out on the other side of it stronger, for some of us, as we've seen the ugly of the world and the ugly of even some Christians come out, it has not inspired our faith. It has made us question our faith, wonder if we wanna continue believing in this whole thing. For some, the exit ramps are when something changes in a relationship. Some people, let's let's be honest, some people are real good at following Jesus in order to find a spouse, right? I mean, we've all known people, maybe you've been one of these people, where you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray to God for a spouse, and then they get a spouse, and they check out of everything that pertains to faith because the spouse that they found doesn't actually really care about the whole Jesus thing. The relationship they sought God for actually became the exit ramp away from God. And for some, let's be honest, it's a it's a, per, it's a particular career, career field. Where in that field, it's really difficult to be a believer, difficult to be a Christian. And faith becomes inconvenient. Faith might actually cost you a promotion. Faith might cost you opportunities. Faith might cost you advancement in your career field. Like there are some things that in life, it's difficult to be a believer, difficult to be a Christian in that career, particular career field. Your reputation takes a hit. You get made fun of at, at every meeting. And it's inconvenient to be a follower of Jesus. Life has no shortage of exit ramps on the path following Jesus. I believe, I believe this is what Jesus was actually referring to in the Sermon on the Mount when he said this famous passage in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and 14. He said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few enter ever find it. He says the highway is broad and its gate is wide. And I would say not only is the gate wide, Jesus knew that there was a whole bunch of gates. There was a whole bunch of exit ramps. There was a whole bunch of places where where you could get off the road. It's very easy to get off the road following Jesus. There are many, many, many opportunities in life that life presents itself, that opportunities, that circumstances, that relationships, that all kinds of different things present themselves as exit ramps from the path that follows Jesus. Jesus even promised in that same passage that the path that follows him is a difficult road, meaning there will be bumps, there will be potholes, there will be events that cause you to look for an exit ramp. And so here's the tension that we all face. We all face this tension that we are all good at following Jesus when following Jesus is beneficial to us or beneficial for us. We're all good at following Jesus when following Jesus is beneficial for us. God cares about growing our faith because he wants us to follow even when following isn't beneficial for us. God wants to grow our faith because he wants us to continue to follow him because of who he is, not because of what he does for us, not because of what happens is beneficial for us. He wants us to follow even when life situations aren't beneficial for us. When it isn't easy, when it costs us something, when there seems to be no benefit in following God, God still wants us to follow him. And he wants to grow your faith and grow my faith to a point and to a place where we would continue to follow because of who he is, not because there's a benefit for us. God wants us to grow our faith to that point in our lives. Now, the disciples of Jesus, the twelve, the, the twelve, this dynamic is very clear. They they understood this dynamic very clearly, almost in a very in a painfully clear way. Um, one of the things the Gospel of John is known for uniquely among the four gospels in, in, in the accounts of Jesus' life is that he specifically tells of seven miracles or seven signs performed by Jesus that would prove and show his power to the world and to those following him. At the point of the story that we're gonna to read today, Jesus has has just performed, like the, like the day before, Jesus had performed the fourth and the fifth signs of his power. The fourth one was the multiplying of food to feed a, fa- a crowd of 5,000 people, which everyone saw. And the fifth sign was when he walked on water, which only the disciples saw, only the 12 saw. And so when they get to the other side of the sea, the very next day on the other side of the sea, the crowd from the day before told everyone they knew about what Jesus had done the day before, about how he had multiplied multiplied food, multiplied bread, multiplied fish, how he, how he could provided enough food for the entire crowd. And so another crowd forms around Jesus and demands that Jesus do the same miracle for them and give them bread the same way he gave bread the day before. At this, Jesus and the crowd get into a little kerfuffle, which is a really fun word to include in a sermon. Like that's just a really fun one. And so they get into this little spat, they get into this kerfuffle, because you have a hungry crowd that thinks the miracle was the point food in their bellies, while Jesus knew that the miracle was about something greater, pointing to the salvation of their souls and his ability to provide. So Jesus, in explaining to the crowd what he really wants them to understand about the miracle, what he wants them to understand about what he really came to do, he has what I would call Jesus's twilight moment. It, it, it's, it's, you'll, you'll understand why Why when we when we get to it. We pick up with Jesus talking to the crowd in verse 47 of John chapter 6. Here's what it says. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. We hear that, we're like, yay, that's the the Jesus that we like. Yes, I am the bread of life. That's good too, yeah, you're the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, he says, but they all died, they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven will never die, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread, which I will offer, uh, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh? And you're like what? What? So what? what? Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. Like, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. Which is the right question? This is the right question. If you hear someone talking about, you know, I'm the bread of life, and the bread of the the bread that I'm going to give is my flesh excuse me? <laughs> like, what? It's it's what everyone would be asking today, and everyone who would be asking it today would be correct to ask, to ask that question. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, Jesus decided to clarify, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day for my flesh is true f- food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Well, this is a tricky little deal, isn't it? <laughs> like, Like I like that part where he says, you know, I'm the way to eternal life. I like that. I even was okay when he called himself the bread of life because that's a really nice metaphor. But what the heck is happening? Like, what is Jesus talking about? This is a tricky deal. Did you did you catch the the twilight moment? Like, I'm assuming we all did. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus saying that things got real weird. Like, like he 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 told people that the only way to eternal life was to eat his flesh. And drink his blood. And I'm just gonna say this: if you ever hear a preacher say that in, in today or any day, if you ever hear a preacher say that come moving forward, run, run fast run hard, run as far away as you can because you're listening to a crazy person. And that's what everyone thought at the time that they heard Jesus say this. And obviously like Jesus was speaking about a reality that didn't exist yet, a reality that he understood was going to come to be that the crowd had no idea what was going to be happening. Jesus knew that his body would be broken and his blood would be spilled so that they could be forgiven of sins and have real life. And that the eating was a metaphor for accepting Jesus's sacrifice accepting his life as our life. But his listeners had no clue about what he was talking. Like the listeners were sitting there going like, did he, did, did the guy, like the guy who does all the cool miracles, did he really say we would have to eat his flesh and drink his, his blood? I mean, in 24 hours, following Jesus had gone from bread fest and all you can eat fish fry on Friday to creepy teen vampire flick. I mean, like, like that's, just, that's just what had happened. This was weird. This was uncomfortable. This was awkward. This was a difficult change of direction. And imagine being Jesus' 12 disciples at this point. Like you were there the day before. You were there when Jesus walked on water. You believe in Jesus. But to this point, up until this point, Following Jesus had been very, very good for you. Following Jesus had brought attention to you. Following Jesus had put you in the spotlight with Jesus because Jesus was in the spotlight and you were next to Jesus in the spotlight. People loved the disciples because they loved Jesus. But now Jesus has gotten kind of weird. Jesus seems like maybe he's gone off the deep end. Jesus is saying things that are making the crowd question him. And so now the disciples are going, oh, this is uncomfortable for us because we've attached ourselves to Jesus. And now Jesus is turning in some directions that we don't quite know about. So moving down to verse verse 60, here's here's what we're told. Many of his disciples, the larger crowd of disciples, not the 12, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone, how can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? Does so this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, this is why I said that people don't come, can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And then we're told this. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. This thing just got more difficult. It no longer does everyone love Jesus. No longer is he the shining rock star. He seems to have lost it a little bit. And for the people who were following Jesus because following Jesus was good and beneficial for them, and there were miracles, and there was teaching that was easy to accept, and Jesus taught about love, and Jesus taught about hope, and Jesus taught about faith. For the people who liked Jesus because Jesus was convenient and beneficial for them at this moment, They headed to the exits because it was no longer beneficial for them. They headed to the exits. They took the off-ramp. And then we're told this in verse 67. Then Jesus turned to the twelve. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Are you also going to leave? I mean, imagine the weight that hung in that moment that jesus felt the need to ask after everything that they have been through after everything the disciples have seen after everything they've seen jesus feels the tension in this moment and says hey are like are you going to Everyone, everyone else is going. Are you, everyone else is looking for the exits. Are you looking for an exit too? Jesus has a question. Has your faith grown to the point that you're, just not, that you're not just in it when it's good for you, but you will follow me even into the uncomfortable moments of life that you'll follow me when following me costs you, when it dings your reputation, when it would be easier for you to distance yourself from me, when taking the exit would be more convenient for you. Everyone else is leaving me. Are you gonna leave too? And then in verse 68, Peter's response is the response that God wants from you and God wants from me. In verse 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to to whom would we go? Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, to, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom would we go? This, the inference, and it's made, made even more clear in some other translations, is to whom else would we go? To, to whom else would we go? Matter of fact, that might be worth typing in the comments right now. To whom else would I go? To whom else would I go? Maybe you want to say it out loud where you are right now and someone watching that's not paying as much attention as you are right now will think you're crazy, but would you just say this with me? To whom else would I go? To whom else would I go? Here's what Peter is saying. We have heard too much. We have seen too much. We believe in you. We trust in you. And whatever that means for us doesn't really matter all that much. We're following you because we believe you have the words of eternal life. And we believe you are the way to eternal life. We believe you have the words that lead us to eternal life. And we believe that you are the way to eternal life. Life. And yeah, we all know we could take this exit ramp while everyone else is taking it, but we're sticking with you to the very end. In other words, we're going to keep dancing with the one who brung us. We're going to keep dancing with the one who brung us, and we're going to keep dancing until wherever and wherever this leads, we are in it, ride or die with you, Jesus. See, here's what Peter knew. Peter knew that faith is a continual choice, Peter knew that faith is a continual choice; that salvation is a decision in a moment, but living by faith is a choice that we make every single day. That every day you wake up and I wake up, and we will, we are presented with the, with the with the choice of who am I going to be today? What am I going to believe today? What am I going to follow today? That we're that we're presented with a choice of follow or not follow today. Every so often, we're faced with a choice of whether or not to continue to follow Jesus based on what we see and what we know. Peter understood that aspect of a daily choice. And Peter had just seen a bunch of friends make the choice that because of a difficult moment, they were choosing to opt out. And Peter said, on behalf of everyone in the 12, he said, our faith in you has grown to the point where we're not just following because of what you do for us. We're following because of who you are. So we're in it. We're in this wherever this is going. We're in it because following you is the only thing that makes sense to any of us. And that's the response that God wants for you. That's the response that God wants for me. That's why God wants to grow your faith. That's why God will use private disciplines to grow your knowledge and understanding and trust in him. That's why God will use personal ministry so that you can see what he can do through you. That's why God will use practical teaching. That's why practical teaching matters to God, because he wants you to experience the life giving explosion of trust that comes when you see his way really is best. That's why God wants you to surround yourself with people that know and love and trust him because. Because their faith will inspire and anchor your faith. And that's why God will leverage pivotal circumstances to help you see his power on display so that when the moment of decision comes, when the moment of decision comes, when those moments of will I continue or will I follow, follow back comes, when the moments of am I going to dance with the one that brung me or am I going to take an exit ramp come, when I, when those moments come, when the moments of decisions come, our response would be to whom else would I go? I have seen too much, I know too much, I have seen God's faithfulness too much in my life to turn to anyone Else, in other words, I've tasted and I've seen the goodness of God. I've lived in the goodness of God. I've seen too much of Your faithfulness to turn my attention in any other direction. I've seen too much life-giving power to think that anyone or anything else has what's best for me. I've seen I've seen You bring too many great people into my life to take an, an exit ramp to chase anyone who's not chasing You. I've seen You do too much through me to think there could be anything that compares to the adventure that You have for me. And I've seen You show Yourself strong in too many circumstances to think that anyone is hopeless. That's God's goal for your faith. That's God's goal for your faith. God wants to grow your faith so big that when life presents an an option to continue following or turn away, that you would continually choose to follow him and his ways. God wants your faith. God wants your faith so big that when life presents an option of continue following or turning off on an exit ramp, that you would continue on the path that follows Jesus. This is making the decision. This is making the decision to move from consumer to committed within our faith. This is moving from I'm in it to me to I'm in it because of him and who he is. I'm I'm a ride or die with you. I thick or thin. I know you have the words of life, and I know you are the way to life. There is no turning back. I am committed to you, Jesus. I'm following God, my heavenly Father. So as, as, we clo- as we close out this series, I want to talk about three quick ideas that I think are God's ideas for us. But along the way of life, each one of these has a number of exit ramps. Things that cause us to maybe look and go, I'm not sure if I, I, I'm not sure if I want to stick with this. Three things that God has called us to that I think are, are incredibly beneficial for us. They are God's plan for us, they're God's plan for the world. But they're so easy to turn away from. And I wanna encourage you as we as we as we talk today for these three areas. When you have an opportunity to, to hit an exit ramp, don't take the exit from these three things. The first one is simply this: your freedom. Your freedom. See, Jesus won your freedom in a moment, but it takes a lifetime to learn to live in it. Jesus won our freedom in a moment. It takes a lifetime learning to live in it. Your freedom your freedom will not feel free all the time. And there will be moments along the way of following Jesus where you feel restricted or you feel like you haven't gotten far enough or you feel like it should be easier by now or you feel like you're not living completely in the freedom that God has for you and you wonder if you're doing something wrong. Here's a couple of things we need to remember. Your freedom will require healing some wounds that you picked up along the way. And when, you have, and when you're confronted with those wounds, you're, you, you'll, you'll be faced with the opportunity to turn back because you don't wanna deal with those wounds. Your freedom will probably require overcoming some obstacles and some stumbling blocks. The things that used to be obstacles and used to be stumbling blocks for you, they may come up again and again and again in life. And every time you face one, you might feel like something has gone wrong and you're doing something wrong, and you're not. You're following Jesus, and you have to learn to overcome the things that used to cause you to stumble. Your freedom will probably require extending forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it. And when that happens, every single one of us— we we have this tendency to go, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. I think I'd rather turn off from the exit ramp than extend forgiveness that I know I need to extend. See, here's the thing. When your freedom isn't one in a moment, the temptation is to think that Jesus's plan doesn't work. Jesus's way works. I promise you, Jesus's way works. To whom else would I go? He is the only way to freedom. But that freedom takes time to experience and to live out. Salvation happens in a moment. Freedom may take on lifetime. And he continuously calls you to take the next step and the next step and the next step towards living in and living out his freedom. Do not take the exit ramp from your freedom, from the freedom that Jesus has called you to. Jesus has come so that you may be free and that you might be free indeed, but that freedom may take a while for you to learn to live out and to experience and to live in. Don't take an exit rant from the freedom that Jesus has called you to. The second thing is Jesus' church. Jesus' church. See, I believe this with my entire heart. This is why it's been easy for me to live out the call, to follow the call of God on my life to pastor a local church. The church is God's plan for the world. The church is God's plan for the world. It's His plan to offer hope and life and peace and joy to the world. The church is God's plan A for the world. The church is God's plan A for the world, and there is not a plan B. The church is God's plan A to introduce the world to Jesus, his son, who he sent to love the world and to care for the world, to die for the world, and to raise again so that the world could have new life. Jesus and the local church is God's plan A for the world. Unfortunately, we all know this, the church has also done damage to some people and maybe to some of you watching right now. The church will give you reasons. This is the unfortunate reality of life and the unfortunate reality of church. The church will give you reason to reject the church and take an off ramp from the church. The, re- the church, for many of you, has given you a reason to take an exit ramp from the church the way you were treated, the way someone treated your family when your parents got divorced when you were growing up, the way the, way the, the, way the, world, the church treated you and talked about you when, when you went astray, when you made some choices that the church didn't agree with, that like throughout the course of life, there's a, a whole lot of things where the, church, where the people in the church can cause us to think about rejecting the church and taking an ex, exit ramp or an off ramp from the church. But here's the thing, that we have to understand. The church is God's plan, but it's your choice. The church is God's plan, but it's your choice. It's a messy choice. It's a choice that's for us, but it's not only for us. It's to grow you. It's to surround you with loving community. It's to push you out to reach the world around you. That God has a plan that's for you, but it's not just for you, which is why you have to stay engaged with the local church because the church is for you, but it's not only for you. That there's people who will come to know Jesus through you and when you stay engaged in the local church. That the local church and the church is God's plan A for the world. And I can I, can I say this? I, like I, I just know this. For some of us watching right now, COVID has given all of us reasons to check out and to take an exit ramp. And I am so proud of you for staying connected to the local church when COVID has given so many people a reason to check out. As, even as, as I talk with pastors, here's what I hear so many pastors saying. Like, I don't know if I can pastor, like when when we started to hit the second wave back in like December and January, people going, I don't know if I can pastor through a second wave of all this COVID stuff. I don't know if I can pastor again and, and, and rebuild again through all of this COVID stuff. And here's what we have said as a church, bring it on bring it on. Because we're not going to take an exit ramp. We're not going to stop short of what God has called us to do. We're not going to stop short of what God has called us to be. And the stress may be big, and the reasons might be big, and COVID might give us all a reason to, to take the exit ramp and to take the off ramp. But we're following Jesus, and the church is Jesus's plan A for the world. And it happens through us. So we're going to stick with it, ride or die. We're not going to take an exit ramp on the path that Jesus has called us to. And I would encourage you to never take the exit ramp away from God's church and from Jesus's church. It's his plan A for the world and for you. And then the final thing that I would encourage you to think about never taking an exit ramp from is your calling your calling. Stepping into your calling is a continual choice. It's a continual choice. Every day there's an opportunity to lean in or to shrink back. Every day as a mom is a choice whether or not you will step into your calling and to engage and be fully engaged in what God has called you to do and the responsibility God has given you in your children or to shrink back. Every day as a counselor is a choice whether or not you'll engage in the mission that God has called you to, to help walk with people through some of the most difficult moments and internal battles of life. Every day as a border patrol agent, you have a choice to live out the call to be salt and light where you work. Every single day is a choice of whether or not you will step up and step into the calling that God has for your life. And I grew up hearing this statement over and over again from my pastor, from my parents, from from, 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 different, from different pastors that, we all, that my mom would have on in, in, the, in the background as we were getting ready for church a lot of times on Sunday mornings. It was this phrase, it was this phrase, God has a plan for your life and you don't wanna miss it. God has a plan for your life and you don't wanna miss it. See, there's this great story in the book of Joshua the people of Israel marching around the walls of Jericho, and God told them to march a certain number of times before they would blow the horns that would bring about the victory over Jericho. They were told to march for six days, once each day around the city, and then on the seventh day to march around six times and then blow the trumpets while they were marching on the seventh time. And here's the thing that I imagine. I imagine every person in the marching party grew tired of marching by the fifth day. I would imagine there was a bunch of them by the second they were like, were you really just going to march once and then go home? Like, is, that, is, that, is that really the plan? Is that, is, is, is that all, all we're going to do? I know just about everyone was fed up with marching by the sixth time around on the seventh day. I bet more a few of them wanted to start, stop marching on the sixth time when nothing happened. They wanted to take an exit ramp. Can we go home? Because this isn't working. Can, can we ditch the plan? Because this is not working. But God didn't command them to march six. God commanded them to march seven. And when they marched the seventh time, blowing the trumpets, the walls of the city of Jericho fell down and they captured the greatest city in the area that they should have never had any chance to take, it, to take and, and capture. God led them in by God's hand and by God's plan. And I would just encourage us as we talk about this today, as we talk about taking exit ramps and choosing to not take the exit ramp, here's the last thing that I would maybe want to leave with you in this, in this, in this series. Don't take an exit ramp at mile six when God has called you to mile seven don't take an exit ramp at mile six when God has called you to mile seven. God has a plan for your life and you don't want to miss it because you turned away right before he fulfilled it. God has a place for you in his church and you don't want to miss it because you turned away before he helped you find it. God has freedom for you and you don't want to miss it because you took an exit ramp right before the step that would have brought you a level of freedom that you didn't think was possible. Don't stop following. Don't stop showing up. Don't stop tuning in. Don't stop pursuing. Don't stop walking with Jesus. To whom else? To whom else would I go? To whom else would I go? I'm walking with God. I'm following you, God. Not because of what you do for me, but because of who you are. God wants to grow your faith. God wants to see you grow from being a consumer to being committed and grow your faith so big that you'll never turn back and never turn away. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for who you are. God, as we talk today about following you because of, of who you are, thank you for who you are. Thank you that that there is a million things that you have done for us, some of which we'll never know and re- never understand and never realize. But God, among all of that, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being our heavenly Father, thank you for being our friend. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for being our savior. Thank you for being the one who had a plan for our salvation before we ever knew that we would need it. Thank you that that's who you are. And God, thank you for this story, for this example, for these words, Who else? to whom else would we go? To whom else would I go? And God, I just simply pray for every one of us watching today, for every one of us listening today, for some of us who may be on the edge of faith trying to decide whether or not it's time to jump in. I pray that we would jump in right now and ask you to be our Savior and our Lord because maybe, just maybe, we would understand the truth of that. We believe you have the words of eternal life. We believe you are the way to eternal life. And God, whatever comes our way in this life, God, we're following you in this life because we know you have the way to eternal life. We believe in who you are. We trust in who you are. We're gonna follow who you are. So God, grow our faith. Grow us to the point that we would never think about taking the exit ramp. God, that when we're presented with the opportunity of an exit ramp, we would continue to follow you because of who you are. Because you are the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. You have the way to eternal life. We love you, God. Help us to grow to this point. Help us to move from consumer to committed. Help us to follow you for the rest of of our lives and experience everything that you have for us when it comes to our freedom and the church and the calling that you've placed on our lives. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.